Hey, and welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast, episode 333. Today, we're celebrating a slightly belated Mother's Day with a powerful and important conversation with Erin Bagwell, a documentary filmmaker who has recently come out with her second film that's very powerful called Year One. Now, before I tell you more, I do want to give a quick trigger warning here. Today's conversation does tackle some really tough topics, including uh, mental health struggles, depression, and suicidal thoughts. If it's not safe for you to listen to us discuss those topics, today's a good episode to skip and revisit at another time. And if you find yourself or someone you love is struggling with uh, suicidal thoughts, uh, the best resource to direct you to is the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. That's at 800-273-8255. Today's episode is really about some of the challenging and less often talked about realities of becoming a mother, specifically as it relates to postpartum depression. Back in 2018, Erin became a mother for the first time and started filming her new film, Year One, which is an intimate look at the first year of motherhood through Erin's eyes. The documentary addresses the identity shifts, the challenges of experiencing postpartum depression, and the everyday extraordinary moments of being a new mom. Year One is out now and available for free on YouTube thanks to Motherly through May 31st. So do not sleep on this. Go to Year One Film now to get access and watch the film today. Now, a little background on Erin first. Erin Bagwell is a documentary filmmaker, blogger, a new mom, and back in 2014, she launched a successful Kickstarter campaign that you might have heard about, raising over $100,000 in funding to produce her first feature-length film, Dream Girl. In May 2016, Dream Girl premiered at the White House under the Obama administration, and she's been doing incredible things ever since. Really, Dream Girl was an incredible look at women in leadership and women entrepreneurs, and as a result, Erin's been featured in Forbes, TED, Vogue, in the Washington Post. She was even named one of Oprah's Super Soul 100 and was featured in Apple's Behind the Mac campaign, highlighting some of the most creative people in Brooklyn. So recently, after a decade of living in Brooklyn, Erin, her husband Sal, and daughter Ginny moved to Buffalo during the pandemic to experience the joy of having a yard and living near more family. We're going to jump into today's conversation with Erin. By the way, I'm going to go ahead and blame Pregnancy Brain because I totally screw up Aaron's husband's name for the majority of this interview. You'll hear her correct me halfway through. Uh, I appreciate the grace you're all giving me during this time. I'm not, uh, I don't know, the ultimate multitasking of making a baby and doing anything else is a bit much for my brain these days. Uh, But no one knows that better than Aaron, who's here to share some really important wisdom about her experience and her journey to motherhood. So Aaron. Welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. So first of all, uh, let me just say congratulations officially on this amazing, amazing film. Um, I found your film last night. I watched it and found it incredibly powerful. Uh, Year one, your documentary that looks at the first year of motherhood, uh, which was full of highs and lows uh, that we're going to talk about. And it really, it's a powerful Uh, piece of work that I hope you're feeling very proud of these days. Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm still a little bit in shock that it's out into the world. Honestly, I've been working on it for 
you know, about two years. Um, and I definitely had conversations with myself where I was like, I don't yeah. know, should this see the light of day? Should I just hide this forever? But um, actually, I, I've been flooded with incredible messages from um, new moms about how they feel so seen by it. So I, I am so humbled by it and, and excited by the response. That's so great to hear. That I should that's... also say a big thank you. Sorry to cut you off, but I uh, we have an incredible premier partner in Motherly, and um, through them showing it on social media, on their Instagram and Facebook, we've had over 115,000 views in the first wow. five days. So that's insane. Um, very oh grateful for them. Congrats. That's so powerful and good on Motherly for for partnering up with you to make sure that this gets seen by hopefully many, many more. Uh, it's such a powerful film. I feel like those responses are always on the other side of the the, the discomfort and vulnerability of showing so much of yourself, which you do mm. in this film. So let's set the scene for our listeners. You know, the film starts, you're pregnant, you're living in Brooklyn with your husband, Sam. This is your first child. How did you feel while pregnant about becoming a mom? I was so excited. I, I had wanted to have a baby. Um, we tried for about eight months. I felt ready in my life to kind of start this new journey. And I was really I feel like my spirits were really high. I also felt kind of this really deep connection with my body. Mm. I think, you know, as you're experiencing, it's kind of incredible, right? To be, <laughs> yeah. you know, sitting and resting and like creating an eyeball and, you know, your <laughs> body just knows what to do. I mean, it's really, it, it's such a miracle. Mm. And I really felt in awe of myself at that time. Absolutely. I can attest to that. 20 weeks in myself, you're just like, damn, this is the ultimate multitasking job. <laughs> And how are you feeling about becoming a mom as it relates to your career and, and, and terms of adjusting to your new life and what was happening with your work at the time? Yeah, so I had produced a documentary called Dream Girl that had been out for a couple of years and was kind of dwindling down. Um, once the film came out, I made money by speaking alongside of it. So I used to travel really around the world, um, meeting different women, talking about women in leadership. And it was an incredible little run. But when I got pregnant, it all kind of slowed down a bit. And I think as an entrepreneur, I kind of held space for, you know, something new to come. You know, I wasn't really sure what I was going to do, but I was really, um, I was really positive in my brain that I was going to work full time. And that I was going to be a good feminist. I was going to go back to work. Um, I wanted to work. But then when I had my daughter, I was so overwhelmed at just like getting through every day that I didn't really feel like I had the time or space or energy or mental capacity to take on anything else. I felt like I needed to have this under control before I added anything to my plate. So I was actually... Um, and still am a full-time caregiver. Yeah, which is a big a big identity shift, especially I feel like for millennial women, uh, that being a good feminist line yeah. <laughs> really resonates, right? You're talking to a bunch of career women who come to this podcast for career advice. And to imagine all of a sudden finding your, your identity, you know, completely wrapped in motherhood is pretty scary, uh, and, I think. And something that I was not good at in the beginning, I mm -hmm. will say too, you know, it, so you're, you throw yourself, as you said, into this space where, okay, now I'm a mother, now I'm a full-time mom, but I suck at it. Mm. My daughter wouldn't sleep. 
Um, we had so much trouble breastfeeding. I felt like those first couple of months were so hard. And then I was diagnosed with postpartum depression Mm. and it just felt like everything was crumbling around me. And I was like, what did I do? Why did I make this decision? What's wrong with me? You know, my life is over. Um, you know, I kind of had no idea what was going to come next. Yeah. And that, I think you're, you know, your film year one is so powerful when it comes to showing what postpartum depression looks like. What what is postpartum depression? Can we can we sort of level set in terms of what the definition is or how widespread it is? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, postpartum depression is a version of um, perinatal or postpartum mood disorders, um, which is abbreviated as PMADS and PMAD, and basically <laughs> yeah. it can be you know, depression, anxiety, OCD, psychosis, there's a huge umbrella, right, of Mm. kind of the emotional space you can be in after you have a baby. And the thing is, you have um, pretty intense baby blues the first like two or three weeks after you give birth. Your hormones are flushing out of your body. Yeah. And you're just kind of re-regulating, right? So everything feels um, a little upside down. But postpartum depression is when those feelings don't go away. Mm. And so you feel this imbalance Mm. in your life. Um, For me, it manifested as having suicidal thoughts Mm. um, and just a really intense depression. And the strange thing about um, postpartum depression is, you know, when you're a depressed person, or at least when I am usually, (laughs) you know, you're sleeping, you're taking care of yourself, you know, I, I knew at least in my adult life how to get back to zero. Right. But when you're with a baby 24-7, you're sleep deprived. You know, it was so hard to figure out how to squeeze myself back into that conversation. Mm. Um, so it really felt like kind of my world had been turned upside down. Yeah. I think part of what makes depression so dangerous is the hopelessness that comes with it, right? Like mm. when you're in the swirl – of having a new baby that's reliant on you for every moment of their life and well-being, you're like, where is the end in sight? Like, where is the swirl going to end? At one point in your film, you said, like, I just couldn't see how things were going to change. And that's such a dangerous combination of hopelessness and helplessness that makes depression so deadly for, for millions of us every year. Uh, I'm yeah, so glad you're I, still here. I want to just say I'm, I'm glad you're with <laughs> us, Erin, to, to shed light on this. Yeah, absolutely. And I will also say, you know, entrepreneurs, as you can, right. um, as you just said, can attest that like you feel the weight of your business, right? Yeah. You feel it every day. Yeah. And having a baby is a very similar experience, except you are in charge of also like feeding that baby mm. potentially from your body. Um, and so there's, there is that like similar emotional weight. Mm. Um, and the other one thing I want to say about PMADS is one in five women experience it. Wow. One in five. Um, and it's actually not necessary in the state of New York to screen for it. So when you go for your, um, you know, six week checkup, your doctor doesn't have to ask you how you're doing emotionally. You can get totally, which happened to me. I was totally, um, overlooked by by the medical system and Mm. women who are giving birth during the pandemic Mm. up to 70 percent of them especially women of color are feeling um some kind of mood disorder so 
you know, the world is a little nuts right now and, and yeah. that, that pressure and that energy is even greater right now. So mm. it is important to, you know, check in with yourself. You know, I'm, I'm a New Yorker. I think everyone should have a therapist, <laughs> you know, go yeah. into your experience really feeling and having emotional support. Yeah. Ooh, I, I definitely want to talk about your therapist. Um, I At one point <laughs> in the film, I turned to Brad and said, see, this is why I have a preventative therapist already. Yes. You know, like for <laughs> therapy you. for everyone. Um, so one thing, let's talk about Sam, okay? Because one thing that really stood out to me in how we're talking about this is how much mothers deal with this. Because, you know, at some point, especially if you're breastfeeding, you know, what is someone on Instagram asked me, what does a feminist pregnancy look like? And I'm, I'm mm. like, I have no idea. Like, what does Great that question. even mean? And so when Sam went back to work, you know, he he took four weeks off. Brad, I looked at my husband at that moment and said, mm-hmm, because Brad's planning on taking four weeks off. And then there you were. Yeah. What was that like? And how did you navigate that as a couple? Yeah, sure. Well, I just, um, just a slight correction. Um, my husband's name is Sal Salvatore. Sal. Oh God. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I'm so sorry about that. Um, yeah, but I, I think it's, I think that question of what is a feminist, you know, pregnancy or child rearing is, is such an excellent question. And I think it's something that couples need to navigate for themselves, Mm. you know, especially when it comes to feeding the baby, you know, I really wanted to breastfeed for the first couple of months exclusively. So that meant I was doing all the night feedings. Um, and I will not be doing that again for my second child. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really important to integrate fathers into the feeding, which is part of a huge part of bonding mm. with young, young babies. Um, but yeah, it, it, when he, Sal went back to work after four weeks, I was really, really devastated. Yeah. Um, and I really just felt alone. Um, I had had a really great group of women that and new mothers that I met through the Park Slope parents, but most of them went back to work after, you know, a month or two. Mm. And it felt really isolating to kind of be on your own and navigating the world and just trying to figure this all out while also struggling with depression. So it definitely put a huge strain on our marriage. Um yeah. I think to a certain extent he had a little bit of like a male version of postpartum depression. I mean, Mm. I feel like it was just a really tough time for both of us. Yeah, it is. I mean, the isolation is so real and it's so apparent in your film. You're just like, damn, she's all alone with the baby. And it's not like your husband didn't want to be there, right? And and also with you not working, there were just so many – I don't know, it just left me feeling a lot of empathy for you in that moment, thinking, damn, it is so easy to feel isolated. And I think we all know how depression and isolation mix, and it's not good. Mm. Um, so when you realized that you needed help, or rather, when did you realize that you needed help, and what did you do? Yeah, I feel like it took me a couple of months. I think I was around um, two and a half months postpartum when I really felt like I had a huge rock bottom moment Mm. where I felt it was funny because Ginny, my daughter had, she never sleeps. Um, She didn't sleep for a year and a half and she took like a really beautiful nap. She took like a two hour nap, Mm. which she had never done before. Wow. And it's funny when you're 
um, kids are napping, you never know like how much free time you have. So it could be 30 minutes, could be 45, could be an hour. So I had, you know, on this afternoon, I think it was like a Wednesday or Tuesday, you know, I ended up having this expansive amount of time. And I really was like, just journaling and thinking and processing. And I almost feel like it was like a wave, like a, like a crash Mm. of just being like, Oh my God, like what, like coming up for air, like what is happening to Mm. me, um, to my life? Like I felt like it was the first time I could take a breath Mm. and actually understand where I was at. And I was so deeply unhappy. And I, um, as I say in the film, I thought about, um, killing myself. I thought maybe my daughter would be better off without me. Mm. I thought, you know, I suck at this. I'm, mm. I'm doing a terrible job. Um, you know, maybe somebody else should take over. I really just felt so mm. lost. Yeah. Um, and I started texting Sal and he came home from work early and, you know, I'm sobbing on the bathroom floor and, you know, I felt like I kind of made a pact that day that I was going to fight this Mm -hmm. and I was going to figure it out and I was going to get help and I was going to throw a lot of energy and space. And, and I really, you know, truly chose my life Mm. and I chose to be there for my family. And I said, okay, I'm going to, I need to like commit to this and actually choose to be here and choose to work through it. So it was like a really painful day. Um, I always tell women if they start to experience, you know, symptoms that they should get help sooner before they have to hit that rock bottom moment. Um, but unfortunately I had to have one of those, one of those days where I just, I wasn't sure what was going to happen. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so, so, so powerful. Thank you for sharing your story. First of all, I mean, that act alone is pretty radical and, and transformative for so many women who I'm sure share this experience. And I think it's very one in five. Yeah, right. (laughs) Exactly. And I think it's just so brutal. Like you, you have to paint a realistic picture, which your one does an amazing visible job of doing. Um, and it's, it's a piece of art and how you kind of show yourself moving through that moment. Um, and so seeking out support, you know, seeking out therapy. Let's talk about that for a minute. Cause your therapist said something so beautiful in the movie towards the end. She said something about, uh, you know, can we as women, as mothers, can we mother ourselves in the same way with the same unconditional love, forgiveness, redemption that we offer our little ones and what what a powerful reminder that like there is not one way to be a mother there is not perfection Mm -hmm. in becoming a mother and and I thought her words just brought you know really hit home with me a perfectionist quite frankly an ambitionista (laughs) here you know thinking about how can we treat ourselves our bodies our minds our our spirits with the same kind of mothering that we do for our children. What did you get out of that? And what did you get out of seeking out that kind of support? Yeah, I'm so grateful for Melissa. Um, She ran my mother circle, which um, was a group in Brooklyn of women who had postpartum depression and anxiety. And they would get together every Wednesday night for six weeks and we would share our stories and she would lead our group. 
And she so kindly agreed to be in the film and to have a one-on-one session with me where, you know, I could talk about some of the things that I was feeling and Mm. something that I thought was really important to include in the film is, you know, when you start coming out of your postpartum depression, you start feeling better Mm. and you start feeling good. All of a sudden I had this huge amount of shame about the start of my motherhood journey and about having those thoughts and about having that day. And, you know, how could I have even gotten there? And, and I really wanted to talk to her about what it felt like to reckon with something that you were ashamed of and how Mm. do we forgive ourselves and how do we move on from that moment and, and really rewrite our narrative. Mm. And as you said, she so generously shared about the way as mothers, we need to model compassion Mm. and grace And that like our children, we're going to fall and we're going to fail. And what do we do from that moment? And it's such a, it's almost such a simple thing to hear, but it's so powerful. Mm. And it's such a beautiful reminder that, you know, that we are human. Yeah. That we are going to make mistakes. And, um, it's funny in the, in the film, that moment meant so much to Mm. me to, to talk through and now as I've, you know, been a year and a half out from that moment, mm. you know, I feel even less guilt about it. Mm. That's, you know, I, I mean, feel that's great. the lightness of it. And, you know, I honor that time in my life, but it doesn't hold that same, yeah, you know, aggressive um, shame anymore. So it does get better. Mm. Um, it does get softer and it becomes something that you know, just is a part of the story of growth. You know, it reminds me also of another part of your film where one of the women in that group that you profiled shared the comparison that we all have in our minds, right? Like, where does that shame even come from? It's this mm-hmm. expectation that that being a new mom has to look glowing and, yeah. you know, wonderful and you know, savor this moment. You talked about the the folks in your life who said to you, oh, just embrace every moment that's happening right now when you were mm-hmm. in your darkest hour. Like, <laughs> what did that, you were like, shit, I'm definitely doing this wrong, right? Yeah. Like, that shame comes from the one model we have for what mothering is supposed to look like, which is so problematic, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we could blame, you know, our white supremacist patriarchy on that one. Yeah. You know, and for lots of things. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and the, and I think a lot about the media, right. And, and the Mm. images of mothers that we are, that we are given are often written, um, by men. So they're kind of this reflection of, of not our experience. And I think it's hard I I think motherhood is complex. I think yeah. everybody's experience is totally different and totally unique. And, you know, I learned that like my first week sitting in a mother circle and, and learning and listening to, you know, everybody's different problems and, and the things their babies were doing. And I think we owe it to ourselves as women to share our stories and just to add to that narrative. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it can feel very debilitating when, you kind of get this message all the time that, Mm. you know, you have to enjoy every minute. I found that to be extremely painful. Yeah. Um, And I think it's okay if you do, 
you know, I think it's, I, I think it's amazing if you, if you do and you, and you are, you hear about those honeymoon phases where, you know, you just bask in the glow of, of the, your new family. And, and that's incredible. Yeah. And, and that, that should be honored. Um, but there's other versions of that too. And, and I think my goal with the film is just to allow women who, who don't feel like it's this motherhood is this dress that they put on and it fits perfectly, mm. you know, to know that that's okay. It can be altered. It can be shaped. It mm. can be cut, like figure out how it's going to feel for you. Mm-hmm. Motherly actually released, um, a really interesting article that said it usually takes new mothers about six months to feel confidence. Mm. That's a long time. That is a long so time. So I think we need to give ourselves the space to get there. Yeah. One of the women in your in your group that was profiled on the film said about her one-year-old, like, I think we're just starting to figure each other out. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, damn, that's a long time. But it also does remind me of entrepreneurship, like two and a mm. half years of having a business. And I was like, I think I sort of maybe get this, <laughs> you yeah. know? And you're just like, I think giving yourself grace – you know, that advice your therapist gave you is might be simple, but it sure as hell isn't easy, you know? So that's something to remind us of. So if you, you know, if women watching your film see themselves in you and find themselves struggling, what advice do you have for dealing with postpartum uh, PMADs in any form? And what do you feel like has made the biggest difference for you and how you've healed, how you've been able to process or like, you know, walk through this experience? Yeah, I would say that, um, you know, even though PMADS is a horrific experience, um, it, it's entirely treatable through therapy. Mm. Um, and I would suggest that women find um, a therapist that specializes in postpartum. A lot of therapists uh, are not trained to deal with or to know the signs because mm. postpartum is so specific to the motherhood journey. And if you're not interested in counseling to those women, it's not something that's learned by general practitioners. Um, you know, I sat in front of a therapist, told them my story, and they said, this is normal. This mm. is just part of being a new mom. And I sobbed. Oof. And I was like, what is going on? Um, and thankfully, I, you know, kind of trusted my intuition enough to say, I got to, I got to talk to somebody else. Mm-hmm. I need just to talk to somebody who's in the trenches, who has younger children. I just, and I was able to finally find Melissa and find um, another therapist and really be able to work through it with a professional who knew how to diagnose and treat me. Mm. Um, and so that's really important. And then, you know, they've done a lot of studies about community And I know right now we're in a strange Mm. pandemic time, but finding a tribe, finding a community of women who are experiencing the same things you are. Um, I have a text thread that I do, you know, a hundred times a day. I have two (laughs) best friends from high school. We ended up having kids at the, you know, within five months of each other, you know, from asking questions about your nipples, you know, to... (laughs) I've got some already, but that's for another episode. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. To, you know, to breastfeeding questions. I mean, they taught me everything I needed to know about pumping, um, Googling things for you when you're too sleep deprived. I mean, having some kind of community. And I think we're lucky we live in a, a world where with the internet and with people getting their digital games together, it's easier to find that. But Mm. 
um, don't try to get through it alone. It can last for two to three years if undiagnosed. So Mm. it's something that, you know, it, it can be treated and it is treatable. And if women are feeling in this dark place, know that the sun will come out and it will get better. Every yeah. day gets better. That's such a good reminder. I do think there is something about community and new moms that intersects with career in some weird ways, right? Like I think our professional identities uh, in our very patriarchal world still, you know, clash with motherhood mm-hmm, in absolutely. such a way that like, oh, I'm a career woman, so I have to just disengage from this other huge part of who I am and just like have a community around my professional life that's not, you know, relevant or doesn't resonate with my motherhood journey. And then, you know, I think people throw a lot of shade at like the mommy bloggers or, you know, like stay at home moms. And there's such a divide that's so, I don't know. I mean, it's like the, the mommy wars. Haven't we moved beyond that? Uh, And I don't think necessarily we have. And that just drives isolation and a lack of understanding there. I wonder, you know, from your perspective, how how that shows up for you or if you, you know, if you've encountered that feeling. Well, I definitely think it's infuriating when, you know, women are not taken seriously as the, Mm -hmm. you know, of having autonomy of their experience and their story, right? I think oftentimes when women are the forefront of something, it's not taken seriously. Yeah. You know, it's not a real job. You know, I got my vaccine and they asked me to check off my, are you unemployed or employed? Mm. You know, and so it's just like those small moments, right? They're like, almost feel like microaggressions of like me saying I'm unemployed even though I work. You, know, you just five created in the morning a film to 10 PM at night. <laughs> and you, like you also have, yes, you're a caregiver full time and that deserves credit and that should be acknowledged for the work that it is. And also, Aaron, you just put out a film. You know what <laughs> I, I mean? Know, I'm, still, I'm still very much grappling with the career part, as, yeah. as you can see. But I think the other really hard thing for working moms, you know, and I can speak a little bit to my experience with kind of juggling dream girl towards the end with with being a new mom is you're you're given so many messages about how to be a great mom, but mm. then society at, at in the whole does not support you. Like right. take breastfeeding, for example. You know, I remember flying to an event, I think it was in Baltimore, to do a speaking event, and the airport didn't have a pumping station. Wow. So I'm sitting <laughs> on the bathroom floor of an airport pumping. Mm. You know, then when I get to my hotel, they don't have um, a cooler. So I have to deliver my breast milk to the maitre d', you know, every couple of hours to make sure they can freeze my breast milk. Like the world is not set up for women and it's definitely not set up Mm. for mothers. And it becomes this hurdle that you have to jump. And I remember speaking to so many of my new mom friends who are breastfeeding and, you know, pumping at closets at work. Yeah. You know, it's mandatory (laughs) for New York city and state to have like space for you to be able to a clean space for you to be able to, you know, pump. Um, But oftentimes it's totally overlooked Um, and it can be really frustrating to feel like you're getting one message about how to take care of your baby, but you're not getting any support at all to do so. Oh my gosh. And that is just like a microcosm of 
see paid parental leave, see, you know, affordable childcare, see everything that America is doing that's so maddening or just not doing. Absolutely. Um, I feel full of rage already. I'm just, I've decided <laughs> to just take to Instagram stories on a semi-regular basis to like rant about a new experience. And I think I'm just going to keep that trend going because please do. There, there is so much to be angry about. Um, man, women and moms are a powerful voting block. I don't know why we don't all vote together, but, uh, that'll be, a our next, our next initiative, our next mission. Well, Aaron, uh, tell us more about where we can watch year one, why you chose to create it, how you and motherly have brought this beautiful film to life. Cause I know everyone listening is going to want to check it out and it's not feature length, right? So I think we should make it clear that you can watch this really powerful, informative, and beautiful film uh, on your lunch break. And and listeners, I know you're you appreciate uh, good, wonderful information delivered quickly. You would love your one. So where can folks <laughs> take a look? Yeah, absolutely. So um, if you go to watchyearone.com, um, the YouTube link is right up there. The film, as you said, is thirty minutes long, so you can watch it you know, on your lunch break during nap time. Um, I've had women text me and tell me they watched it in like 10 minute chunks. Um, it all works. And, um, it's going to be up till May 31st, um, to celebrate maternal mental health month. And then, um, we'll see what happens. Um, yeah. In the process of figuring out our next steps for distribution. Um, but if people go to that specific link, they'll be able to figure out where it is next. Awesome. That's so exciting. Congratulations. It really is a triumph. And Ginny is so cute, by the way. Uh, (laughs) Throughout the film, I'm like, there were just so many moments that brought a tear to my eye. It's a very powerful piece of work. And, uh, you know, it's not surprising coming off of the heels of Dream Girl. I, I am just thrilled to see what you choose to do next with all of the ways in which you can impact this world, Aaron. We need your voice. So thank you for sharing some of your experience and, and, and wisdom with the Bossed Up listeners today. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. For links to everything we talked about today, head to bossedup.org slash episode 333. That's where you'll find the link to watch year one, which I highly recommend you do before it's no longer out. So do not delay. Watch year one uh, today. And now it's time for this week's Boss Move of the Week. This week, I want to give a major, well-deserved shout-out to Emma, another graduate of our Hired Job Search Accelerator. Just the other week, Emma signed an offer letter for a rad new role. After successfully pivoting out of higher ed and into corporate learning and development, after we worked together to really repackage her skills and reposition herself for the job search... I could not be more thrilled at this well-deserved win, including her win of securing a salary that's 30% higher than her last job. So way to stick your pivot, Emma. I'm so, so proud of you. And thanks for sharing your incredible boss move. You really never know who 
you're inspiring to do the same when you celebrate your own come up story. If you've got a boss move to share, call it in now on the Bossed Up Podcast hotline at 910-668-BOSS or 2677. We also love to shout you out in our awesome Friday newsletter. Perhaps you've seen it. If you haven't, make sure to subscribe now at bossedup.org. It's pretty awesome. Uh, And we love celebrating our wins on Fierce Fridays in the Bossed Up Courage community on Facebook. Hope to see you there. All right, y'all. Now I want to hear from you. What did you think about today's powerful conversation with documentary filmmaker Aaron Bagwell? What's your take? What's your advice on navigating all of this? I'm the least well-versed in any of this. I'm more looking for your wisdom when it comes to handling that first year, handling the first few weeks, the first few months of becoming a new mom, uh, especially as it relates to mental health and well-being. I think Erin provides a real a real important look at postpartum depression, but also kind of a cautionary tale. Uh, so if you've got thoughts, words of wisdom, reactions, I'd love to hear from you. Feel free to, you know, DM me or tag me on Instagram at bossedup.org or at Emily Aries. You know, we could always continue the conversation as always in the Bossed Up Courage community on Facebook, which is the best place to be to continue these conversations. And please take a moment to share today's powerful important episode with the women in your world who you know could use it and take a moment to watch and share this powerful film year one as well. Until next time, let's keep bossing in pursuit of our purpose and together let's lift as we climb.